0: to God's house. If you're glad to be in worship at First Baptist Church this morning, can I have a hearty amen? Amen. Great. That's just a good thing about John not doing the welcome this morning. He gets to visit the whole time. Come on. <laughs> take note in your uh, worship guide. There's a couple of things that's taking place this week that we need to take note of. It's basically a Wednesday night. John has started a study or a psalm in prayer time on, I'm not Wednesday night, but Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. So, everyone who wants to come at 9 o'clock, I know it's going to be a blessing. Uh, also, the pictorial, the, the notice about here of the pictures for the pictorial directory. So, take note of that and make sure you attend those. We need everybody's picture to go in the uh, membership pictorial directory. Now if you're happy to be here this morning, stand up and turn around and greet someone with a handshake or a hug or a holy kiss.
1: Before Frank comes, um, today is the anniversary for Mr. Ronnie Foster. Um, He's got two dates. He served us for 11 years, but all together, give or take a few, he's been a minister of music for 24 years. And um, I thought we ought to say thank you. And I'm not sure if you caught it last week because I was gone. But Donna started 41 years ago volunteering. Teaches you to volunteer in a Baptist church. But Donna, thank you. 41 years of being our church pianist.
0: This morning we worship through God's word, Jeremiah chapter 23. Starting verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declared the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is my Righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Do you join me this morning in our scriptural call to worship? Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Again, this is the word of the Lord. The stand as we join our voices, singing hymn number 68 Holy, Holy, Holy. stand and join us as we sing the hymn version of that song, Lamb of Glory.
1: Good to see all of you and thank you for your prayers while we were gone It was a really good trip to Tanzania I think next week we'll have a, um, one of the team members took a lot of pictures and we're going to have just a short video letting you see kind of what happened and um, so but thank you um, a medical team of six there were six counselors and six nurses and doctors saw over six hundred people in four days, and so it was pretty busy, but it was also a really productive time, and um, so thank you for your prayers. Um, I want us to pray together. I, I don't often do this, but I, I've been down. That's why I had not been antisocial. I, I just wasn't shaking hands. I, I've had something, and I've not had fever, but my voice is really gone before I even start, and so I would appreciate your prayers. You may pray that my voice goes out quick, um, <laughs> And that'll be okay. Just let it go out just as quick in the second service. But would you pray with me? And as we lift up prayers, I would covet your prayers that my voice could be strong for the next um, 20 or 30 minutes. But let's pray together. And I wonder if you would just praise our Father. We've been singing of his goodness and his holiness. Let's praise him. He is holy. And thank him for what he has done for you. And there are many requests and many needs in this room. Would you just lift them to our Father? I'm going to ask David Mullins if he would just voice a prayer for all of us.
0: praises to your name, to worship you in the fullness of God, that you might be glorified in all that we do and say. Father, I especially lift up John. I pray that you give him a clear voice to bring your message to us this morning and ask these things in Christ's name.
1: Amen. Our text is James chapter 3, the second half of verse 5 through verse 12. Um, if you're able, I'd invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Let's read the whole verse in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire Or a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God or oh me as we read this passage. I've quoted a lot from Colossians 2 and 3 in the last weeks. and It's because I've been pouring over into my own life and my prayer time of what it means to set your mind on the things above where Christ is to set our minds and and, and place our thoughts where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul, in his letters, often speaks of the new life that we have in Christ and the unity we have in Christ. And and he tells us that we are to put to death the the earthly that is in us, to to live to Christ and to crucify the flesh. And it's interesting, in, in passages like Colossians and Romans Paul tells us to put to death and he lists what the church today would call the big sins. There are certain sins that we all look at as the big sins. And, but, but what's interesting is, is he talks about sexual morality and impurity and evil desires. He talks about those things. But then he also hits us in what we might think of as if, if we would even dare to say it. Little sins. If there is such a thing. He talks about putting away anger and wrath, malice and slander, obscene talk from our mouths. In Romans 1, he does the same thing. He talks about those, what we would again call big sins. But then he goes on to list 21 different sins that are just as offensive to God as sexual morality. He mentions gossip and slander, being boastful. It's no wonder that, that James says how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. He, he speaks of deacons and he speaks of elders, overseers in the church. And, and the qualifications that we have in, in Timothy is, is a part of that, is that we're not slanderers. That we use the tongue well. The first thing we see in James's text, and it's a strong text, is the result of the fall. We see the result of the fall. That's really what we find here in this section. The, the tongue was meant for praise. Oh, for a ta- thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. The tongue was meant for praise. It was meant for prayer. It was meant for good. But sin has defiled it as it defiles everything it touches. In verse 6, he says, The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. This morning, James hits us hard. I would dare say there's not one person in this room that's not going to be hit by this passage. You preacher included. We all battle with the tongue. We all battle with things we say that we shouldn't say and things that we should say that we don't say. There's, there's not a person in this room who doesn't struggle with, with power over the tongue or the power of the tongue in our own life, not one of us. So let's study and see what James says, and, and let's try to apply this and see if we can grow in holiness from this moment forward. There are five things. I know I've given you several points, but the next five points deal with things about the tongue and the result of the fall that the fall has had upon the tongue. He speaks of the power of the tongue. Look at the power of the tongue. He spoke of it earlier as a bit that controls a horse. He spoke of the tongue as a rudder that controls the ship. And now he speaks of the tongue as a fire. Many of you enjoy Gatlinburg. You enjoy going to Gatlinburg. And, and those of you who enjoy Gatlinburg, you know what happens when a couple of boys play with matches. Wipes out entire communities. Wipes out cabins. Wipes out forests. It, it, it all started with a spark of a match or a firecracker. It's destructive. Fire is destructive. He speaks of the power of the tongue, and then he speaks of the wickedness of the tongue. Look at what he says. It's a world of unrighteousness. A world of unrighteousness. The world he's speaking here is, is not the world that we would think of as the earth. It's not the universe, that world. This is, this is the world of, of the fallen world, the sinful world. It's the principalities of Ephesians 6. This is the sinful world that we battle. James speaks of it in chapter 4, verse 4, when he says, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. It's not friendship with with taking care of the world as we know it. That's a different type of use of the world. This is the world that's the system behind it, that Satan, the God of this age, controls. It's, It's a world of unrighteousness, he says, the tongue. We see the corruption of the tongue. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Look at that. The tongue is set among our members it's been set there by someone God set the tongue in our mouths he, he set the tongue in our lives for a purpose it's, it's supposed to be used for the glory of God it's supposed to be used for singing his praises but, but instead because of the fall the, the, the tongue stains look he says it stains the whole body it should be the praise the center of praise. The tongue should be the the center of worship. It should be the center of prayer, the center of evangelism. But instead, he says, it's a source of stain. Stain that impacts the entire body. Just as the bit controls the horse, just as the rudder controls the direction of the ship, so the tongue should be the source of praise that leads us to worshiping our God. But Instead, because of sin, it defiles us. There's not one part of our body, not one part of our life of sin that the tongue and its words are not a part of. Before someone strikes another person, they usually begin with banter and and, and, and cursing and slander, going back at someone and arguing with them. Someone who commits adultery, it starts with words that are flirtatious. It continues on. You steal from somebody, it starts with the words in your mind. As you plan out the attack, as we saw last time we studied this, every sin that we have, every temptation is involved with words. That's why we have to learn to control it. But it's a fire that burns. And, and then when we get caught, we use words to excuse it, don't we? You notice I'm saying we, I'm not standing before you as a man perfect in this. Jesus reminded us that it isn't what goes into the body that defiles us. It's not food that defiles us. It's not drink that defiles us. But, but what corrupts a body is what comes out of us. And the words come out of a heart that is deceitful. The words of our tongue are the product of our heart. It, it stains us, he said. And then he comes, he says, it sets on fire the entire course of life. Here we find the agenda of the tongue, the agenda. It doesn't just stop with one area. It sets on course, sets on fire the entire course. It's not satisfied with one part of your life. It wants all of your life. It it goes after everything. It corrupts and defiles the entire body and sets the agenda for the rest of your life. Understand if the tongue is left unbridled, it will set the course for your entire life and you will pay for that your entire life. The tongue has an agenda. And the reason it has an agenda is that it has an allegiance. Look at the allegiance of the tongue. Why is it so corrosive? Why is it so defiling? James uses strong, strong words. He said it is set on fire by hell. Did you know that your slander is set on fire by hell? That your gossip is set on fire? by hell, that our unkind words are set on fire by hell itself and never pleasing to our Father. The power of hell itself fuels the tongue, fuels his agenda, sets the allegiance of our life. It is no small thing. No other member of your body wrecks such havoc on your godly life. No other member of your body wrecks such havoc on your godly life. Do you see the danger? Gossip and slander and cursing others, it causes more damage to the kingdom of God than you can ever imagine. Those, quote, private conversations in the restaurant overheard by someone in the next booth who's thinking about church, but here's you defile your pastor or defile your Sunday school teacher or defile someone else inside the church. they say, I'll never go to a place like that. Our words have power. They have power to build up and tear down. As you come to verse 7, you'll notice the little word for. Just look at it. He's gone through all these difficulties, all these hard things for us. But he says, for every kind of beast... What he's going to do is give us evidence of the truth that he's just given us in verse 6. That little force sets us up for evidence of the truth that we find in verse 6. Look at the evidence of the truth. Consider that evidence. Every kind of beast, every kind of bird, every reptile, every sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Think about it. You go to Sea World. Killer whales, trained by men. You go to the circus, lions and tigers, trained by men. I don't know anyone could train KJ's cat. But every animal's been trained. Lions are trained. Even cobras, trained. Birds of prey trained by masters to hunt for them. Any animal can be tamed. But look at verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Full of deadly poison. These are strong words. These are strong words because James is showing the significance of what he's saying. It's a powerful statement. The the tongue is a a restless evil. That word restless is is a word for double-minded. He says it's full of deadly poison. And look what he does. He he shows us the inconsistency of this. The inconsistency of this. Look at verse 9. Look at the inconsistency. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Look at it. Two times, he says, with it. With it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse people. He shows us the the, the two opposite, irreconcilable purposes. We bless Jesus. We, we bless the Father. We, we stand in a room like this and sing, Holy, 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 and then walk out of here and curse someone who's made in the very image as you are. Oh, it may not be with curse words, but it's with cursing of the heart. We bless the one for whom the writer of Hebrews says is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and think nothing of tearing down one for whom he died. James is, is pouring an honest church. He's reminding us of of how important it is to to let God set a guard over our mouth that the words of our heart and and the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing unto him. We bless the one who created us and curse the one who, like us, was created in the very image of God. Look at what he does. It's, It's a rebuke, and yet it's an appeal. You see, James' pastoral heart here. He he rebukes and appeals at the same time. My brothers, my sisters, these things ought not to be. These things ought not to be. He gives us an inconsistency and then he comes back to the impossibility. The impossibility. Does a spring pour forth? From the same opening, both fresh and salt water, a spring may indeed have bad water. A spring may indeed have good water. There's a place way out, I couldn't tell you the name of the place, I don't know if I could find it on the map, I could get you there from Boaz, we used to go camping and there was a spring there. We would go camping. We'd stop at the spring and fill up a cooler with, with that water. In a sense, they've built a pump over it. it it's, it's a good spring. It's pure water. It's been pumping for years and years and years. It doesn't have fresh water and salt water coming out of the same spring. There are other springs. You, you've, you've been maybe in, in, in Yellowstone or, or, or some of the places where, where the, um, the geysers are, and there's water there. You cannot drink. It's a spring, it comes up and it's it's, it's sulfur water, you can't drink that water. They don't produce the same thing, one's bad, one's good. And what James is saying is is that a spring may indeed have bad water, but it doesn't pour out both bad and good at the same time. And a a fig tree may may bear figs, and it may bear good figs or bad figs, but it doesn't bear olives. A grapevine doesn't produce figs. Neither does a salt pond yield fresh water. It just isn't possible. Now apply it. It is impossible for the child of God walking in the spirit to bless God and curse others. It's not possible. It's not possible to bless God in one minute on social media and tear down on social media the next. Either you're tearing down or you're blessing God, but you can't do both. James wants control of the tongue. We're masters of trying, aren't we? Here in the South, we can say almost any horrible thing in the world about a person. You can tear a person down and just say, bless her heart, and it makes it all better. You just commented on 15 years, the 15 generations of genealogy, and tore them down every single step, and he said, Bless their heart, and it's all okay. No, it's not. The Holy Spirit won't allow us to walk in the fruit of his spirit and have the kind of mentality that uses the tongue as a weapon to demean. Hadn't this been a positive message? Where's the hope? Where's the victory? Notice verse 8 again. But no human being can tame the tongue. That's true, church. You cannot tame it. You can do better. You can try, but you cannot tame it. Well, there were words I said in the field house that I never said in front of my mama. But every now and then, it slipped. And when I was little, soap came afterwards. He said, no human being can tame the tongue. But he doesn't say, it can't be tamed. He says no human can tame it, but God can. God can tame it. You will have to die to the flesh. You'll have to bite your tongue and chew out the inside of your mouth at times, but God can. There's a great illustration of this bad water and good water and vine. and There's two of them I want to share with you. First is in 2 Kings chapter 2. You start in verse 19 and following. The men of the city said to Elisha, behold the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water's bad and the land is unfruitful. So Elisha said, bring me a bowl of a new bowl, he said, and, and put salt in it. I don't know about you, if water's bad, I never thought about putting salt in it. But he said, give me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him, and and he went to the spring of water, and he threw salt in the water, and, and he says, Thus says the Lord, I've healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water was healed that day. Elisha healed the water. It was was healed by a word that Elisha the prophet spoke. It was a miracle. God used the prophet to make bad water good. The, The water couldn't heal itself. There had to be an outside force. Something had to act upon it. We can't heal the tongue by ourselves. There must be an outside force. We, we can't control it. There must be something that comes inside of us from the outside to control it. There's, there's got to be an outside force acting upon us. And that force is the Holy Spirit. He doesn't adjust to us, but we adjust to Him. And, and if you'll ask Him, He'll set a guard over your mouth and teach you. Teach you to be holy with your words. There's another example, though. It's kind of a thread that runs through the Bible. In Genesis 3, you find Satan tempting Adam and Eve. He used the tongue to create doubt. Eve used the tongue to add to God's word. Adam used the tongue to blame God. You find the tongue all over the first sin of Adam and Eve. Then later in Genesis 11 after the flood You you find people coming to a land And they build a tower They're going to make a name for themselves and, And build a place of worship God had told them to fill the earth But they stopped spreading They stopped multiplying and came and stayed in one spot So God came down and what did he do? He confused their languages It was called the Tower of Babel Those same people then grouped according to language And spread out across the world As God had called them to do It stayed that way until Acts 2. In Acts 2, all those people from all those different languages that had been developed all the way back to Babel, all those people came together, and the disciples were praying in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit filled them. And Luke says, divided tongues of fire fell on them. And they spoke in a way that everyone could hear them in their own heart language. Heart language. We were in the Maasai tribe every day this week and in the Maasai or the, the warrior clan and, and they speak some a little bit of English and most of them speak a little bit of Swahili but their natural tongue is Ma. And so I watched as nurses and doctors and, and I watched as evangelists would, would speak to someone in English who would then speak to another person in Swahili who would then speak to the third person in Ma. And that person could understand what he was saying in Ma and speak back in Ma, who would then translate it to Swahili, who would then translate it back into English. But at Pentecost, they all heard it in their heart language. At that moment, in a brief moment of history, the Holy Spirit purified the tongue that was corrupted at the fall. It's interesting in James. In chapter 1, verse 27, we're told that pure religion cares for the least of these and keeps oneself unstained from the world. And yet the enemy seeks to corrupt us and stain us through the tongue. The only hope for us is the Holy Spirit to come and purify our heart. The only hope for us is to be sanctified by the word of truth that we would grow in Him and and that we would walk in His Spirit and and be filled with the Spirit and live in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and breathe and keep in step with the Spirit to use as He enables us to use the tongue for the true purpose. And so this morning, I don't want you to be hopeless on this. I want you to ask God. I want you to ask God as, as as Isaiah did. Oh God, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Ask God to purge your lips, to colorize them if need be, that you might use them for His glory. Can you imagine if this church took these words seriously? Can you imagine what Powell City would see if we refused to gossip and refused to slander and refused the obscene talk and refused to be a people who used the tongue for evil and instead used the tongue to bring glory to our Father. Can you imagine the fresh water it could bring to our city? I wonder if you would ask him to help you develop a prayer, a prayer life that is without ceasing, Ask him to set a guard over your mouth so that the words of your heart and the me- mouth, the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart would be pleasing to him. Ask him to help you learn from Jesus. You know, Jesus, Jesus didn't say anything unless he heard the Father say it. He didn't do anything unless he saw the Father do it. Could we learn to, to not speak unless we hear the Father speak? Not, not, not do unless we see the Father do Can we be quick to hear and slow to speak? Slow to become angry? Can we guard, intentionally guard, what we say in the power of the Holy Spirit? I believe the answer is yes. But we must die to ourselves to do it. It will be the hardest thing we've ever done. But I hope this text shows you the danger of not doing it. I hope it shows us the imperative of giving God every single bit of our lives. For months now, I have prayed. God set a guard over my mouth. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I said, Kim, I'm better. She said, uh, You're better. She doesn't know how much I've chewed on my tongue. I'm just asking you to join with me in seeing the danger of the tongue and the glory of what it could be if a thousand tongues were lifted up to His praise from every corner of this community. Amen? I wonder if you would bow your heads for a moment and and rather than singing right now, this guy's down to the play. All right, I don't have to convince you of the sin we have in our tongue. I'm haunted by that professor my daughter had at a Baptist university. I said, y'all, I'm a Jesus-loving woman, but I cuss like a sailor. No, no. You're not Jesus-loving if obscene talk is a regular part of your life. God, forgive me for the jokes I've told that I shouldn't have told. God, forgive me for the words I've said that I shouldn't have said. God, forgive me when I've torn down rather than build up when I've cursed rather than bless, God forgive me when I've used the very central part of my life built for your praise and read and instead have turned it into a center of boasting of self I wonder if the next few moments you would just pour out your heart to God about this He knows your words. He knows your thoughts. Ask him to set a guard over your mouth. Ask him to set a guard over your mind and your heart. confess the sin that the Spirit has revealed to you in the midst of these texts. I don't want to force it. I don't want to manipulate it. But if, if any of you would just like to stand, and pray a prayer of confession. You don't have to be specific to your own sin, but a confession of your own sin or the sin of the church in this matter. Asking God to forgive us what we have not blessed. some of our leaders could pray that for us just for a few moments to these words finally brothers finally sisters whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think about these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. This is Paul. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Set a guard over my mind. Father, we we come before you guilty all. And we don't say that haphazardly. We we confess that with a broken heart that, that James has convicted us today through your Spirit. But as James will say next week, may we, by our good conduct, Show your works in the meekness of wisdom. May we have no bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in our heart. May we not boast and be false to the truth. That kind of wisdom is unspiritual and earthly and demonic. We want to be pure and peaceable, gentle, gentle open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere help us to be men and women of praise and of worship redeem us sanctify our mouths and our minds we pray in Jesus name and everyone said. Ronnie, can we sing the doxology in close? Let's stand together and greet one another. Please understand I'm not being antisocial, but I'm going to slip out just so I don't have to hug and shake hands like I want to. Um, I don't want to share anything that I have other than the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> not that part. Let's sing together. Praise God from